You're about to listen to Johnny and Hawk covering all things Oklahoma sports from the prep ranks to the college level, as well as the Thunder and minor league sports Tulsa. Now let's get to your host, Johnny Resendez and Dan Hawk. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Johnny and the Hawk podcast presented by News on 6. It's been a while, man. Uh, Yeah, so... That's kind of the first thing I wanted to say on this show. Uh, many of you may be asking us, where have you guys been? <laughs> well, we could kind of explain. So first off, Dan went on a um, a a, con- uh, a hunting trip, I guess you could say. I to, don't know if it was a hunting trip. To but... Florida. Anything, and you go to you go to Florida, you will go hunt something. I don't know what <laughs> it's it is. true. It's true. You will okay, hunt I'll give something. You that. I'll give you that. That's putting it very, very politically correct. But, but anyway, I didn't think of you when I was sitting on the beach. Ah, <laughs> this guy. <laughs> but uh, the other thing is, um, and I think I could speak for every single member of Griffin Communications when I say this, is that technology hates us. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we were actually supposed to release a podcast that we did two weeks ago. And for some reason, technology decided to give us the finger, and we just didn't have anything. It yeah, just we crashed had, we on lost. us, and, and it was we one died. of the best shows we had. I would yep, say. Yep. Yep. So Getting um, set with the NBA playoffs and all that, but this is a new show. I mean, it, it's not not new as in we're new, but we're doing it now in studio with our radio partners downstairs. So it should sound cleaner. It should feel more like a podcast should be for the people that are going to be listening to this. What do you think, Johnny? Oh, yeah, this, I mean, I fell in love with this podcast from the minute we walked in here. It is awesome. But let's start off with our first topic. It's obviously the big, big sport that's going on in the sports world right now is the NBA playoffs. The Bucks did it, Dan. The first person I really thought of was our own Scott Fowle. <laughs> Whatever the Bucks won it. I mean, yes, producer Scott Fowle is definitely ecstatic right now, seeing that his Bucks made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, he deserves some time off. Let him, let him enjoy this. He just had a birthday too, by the way. Yesterday. Oh my God, he's been having the best few days of his life. Yes, he meanwhile, has. meanwhile. You, a Sonics fan, your team's not even in the hey now, NBA. Come on, why are you throwing salt? It's okay, Mavs still haven't even made it past the first round in over a decade, so it's whatever. <laughs> but um, there's a lot to dissect here within the NBA playoffs. You got the Bucks beating the Nets, uh, the prohibitive favorite in the NBA playoffs, and then you got the Hawks on the other side, probably in my opinion the surprise of the playoffs. And then on the other side, you got the Clippers. They may be big market, but they're not the big market team no, in Los not, Angeles. They're definitely not. And then you got the Phoenix Suns, who before this season was just as mediocre, as poorly run of a franchise as you could think of. They were a small market team, even though Phoenix isn't really a small town by sure. any stretch of the no, imagination. No, it's a big town. And now they're in the conference finals. Now the big storyline is Devin Booker slowly starting to become one of the best players in the NBA. Chris Paul trying to get that first chip that he so rightfully deserves. It's a good. There's plenty of storylines to go for in this NBA playoffs. Dan, I got to ask you this question real quick though. It's been a while since we've seen a few of these quote unquote small markets be this far into the playoffs. Do you think this is good for the NBA? Yeah, for sure, because I think fans, like, I respect LeBron. I mean, what he's been able to do on the court is, I mean, it's insane, the talent that he possesses. But I think for the for the league itself, it's good to see some fresh blood in the playoffs because I think everybody gets tired of seeing the same dog and pony show, if you want to call it that, every year, year in, year out. I mean, what has LeBron been to, like, nine straight NBA finals or whatever? It's I mean, I, I probably have the exact number wrong, but it's it's almost double digits about how many times he's been to the finals. 
Right, I think I think it's eight straight finals that LeBron went to. But uh, I mean, that's just, that kind of speaks to his more of his dominance than anything else uh, as an individual player. But you're right, yeah, I I I, I love seeing this fresh new type of uh, run that we're seeing of NBA players with Giannis. You got Trey Young, obviously, like I said, Devin Booker. He's I mean, he went he dropped forty thirteen and eleven last night. You're a fan of stats, aren't you? Oh, yeah. How about this one? A team that has won a title in the last 38 years. Mm-hmm. Bucks, 1971. Okay. Hawks, 1958. Clippers and Suns, never. Oh, my. So th- Really? Never. So think about it. It's going to be a brand-new team hosting that Larry O'Brien trophy. So, So whoever comes out of the West, should they win the NBA Finals? Will be, be the, the first, first ever for franchise history. Wow. And Listen, thinking of all the teams that the Suns have had back in the day with Steve Nash, Charles Barkley, Charles Barkley, no NBA title. Right. You know, and then the Clippers, you know, the Clippers have been pretty legit too. Agent Zero. <laughs> it's been a while, but come on, Agent Zero. Give me some props there. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, God, it's it's fun. This is the type of stuff that we like about sports in general. Whenever we see dominance – we learn to appreciate it once it's over. But when we're in it, you're just like, oh, my God. It's kind of like the same thing we're seeing with Alabama. It's the same thing. I'm going to put in – I'm going to put in UConn women's basketball there. Oh, yeah, you I'm have gonna to. I'm going to put in – there's so we many – put Baylor in there oh, as well? Yeah, for sure. There's so many other examples of pure dominance that sometimes it kind of dilutes the sport in a way. But with this in the NBA, I think that the moment that – that whole mix-up about two years ago, whenever Kawhi went to the Clippers, mm-hmm. so did Paul George, where we were seeing less and less of these super teams and more of these duos, I thought was starting to make the NBA get a little bit more parity. So, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's it's so refreshing to watch. And, I mean, the guys who are in, the guys here are likable. You got Devin Booker who, mm-hmm. I mean, Stephen A. Smith says he's looking like the next Kobe Bryant. And you got Chris Paul. You got um, Chris Middleton with the Bucks is legit. When I saw that game seven against the and Nets, you didn't even talk about Giannis. He was legit. Oh yeah, I'm not even, I mean, <laughs> there's Giannis, um, and then Trey Young. I mean, the the cast that he has around him, that the Hawks gave him, has put him in a really, really good position. Now I do want to ask you this though. It, the West is especially interesting because both teams are without. They're star players. Yes, they are. Now, one of them is due to, quote-unquote, COVID, mm-hmm. which, you know, I guess he was positive. It was. It's one of those really weird things. He's completely asymptomatic. He may be coming back within the next game. Something's, something's up there. I don't know. Chris Paul, if you didn't get vaccinated, that's on you, but something's up here. And then Kawhi, obviously, with that knee, we know that he's hurt, but we don't know much after that. Um, Dan, what do you think? Who do you think is the most important for their team, Chris Paul or Kawhi? I've got to go with Chris Paul. I mean, think about it. When the the Thunder dump him basically, and he goes out to Phoenix, they weren't expecting him to light it up the way he did. I mean, it, it it's like it re rediscovered his game in a lot of ways. I mean, not that he didn't have a bad season with the Thunder this past year, but I mean, what he's been able to do out in Phoenix, a team that historically has not been good for a quite a long time. I mean, hands down, to me, he's the best player that, w- that we are seeing on the court right now. Now, when you're comparing that to Kawhi, I mean, it's 
pretty hard to say that he's not the best player as well. But I think just by seeing a guy that's older than Methuselah out on the court and he's still able to put up the numbers that he has been able to do, how could you not say Paul's the best that they have out there right now? Well, I gotta, I gotta disagree with you on this one because, uh, because book, book, literally did a, he dropped a triple double on the Clippers, right? Okay. You got DeAndre Ayton, who has turned into a great player, had eleven assists against the Clippers, right? Okay. Now you add in Kawhi, you, he's one of the best two way players the NBA has ever seen. He's a scoring machine. He may not be the the, the huge focal point that some players in the NBA would be. But he's still a huge, huge part of that Clippers offense and defense. So what I'm saying here is think about the alternative. With the Suns, you got Devin Booker and a good cast around him. That's that, that's what you get with the Suns, right? Not bad. Uh, they said that they miss Chris Paul, obviously. But overall, that cast isn't really all that bad. The Clippers, yeah, you could say that they're not bad. But who's the second option? Playoff P. Yeah. Come on. Okay, okay. All right. Playoff all right. That's, P. That's fair. That's fair. But I'm still no, sticking with no Paul. No disrespect man. to Chris. Uh, to to um to uh to uh Devin Booker. Yeah. No disrespect to Devin Booker, but Chris Paul is he's that he's the main focal point there. And like I said, also no disrespect to Paul George, but come on, you're not Kawhi. Well, you, 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 the playoff P is a meme for a reason. It's true. It's true. But you know, the other thing though, Paul could be back. I mean, they're hopeful that he could be returning. You know, there's a chance that we could see him back in the finals, which would be if they can get to that point. I mean, that'd be pretty cool for Chris Paul's career because he's, I don't think he's had a shot at the Larry O'Brien trophy getting into the final rounds of the playoffs. Right, yeah, um, I'm just glad that we finally get to see some different teams. No L.A., no New York. Well, I mean, you got it's not LA like New York with the Clips, but it's yeah. yeah, it's not your traditional L.A. Lakers. Right? Yeah, it's not. It's not. I mean, there's just so much clamoring for L.A., New York, L.A., New York, and it's just annoying. I'm glad that Phoenix is finally getting the love. I'm glad Milwaukee is finally getting the love. You know, Atlanta can. You know, they're they're in the middle of a curse right now, in my opinion, but. Well, what about on the East? How are you feeling about the East? Because Trey Young, I mean, he hasn't even been in the league that long, and he's been carrying this franchise the entire time that he's been there. Mm -hmm. And now look at where they're at. I mean, they're just one series away from a chance at a championship. So with with the East, it's interesting because Trey Young and the Hawks, all the pieces he has, Collins, Gallinari, Capella, they're really, really good. But – Giannis and his team have been here before. They've had that experience of making it to yeah, the conference finals. Last year. And here's another thing that I feel like we're forgetting here. Giannis beat the favorites. He didn't single-handedly beat them. He had, he had help from, like I said, Middleton, Drew Holiday. But he beat the perennial favorites, New uh, Brooklyn Nets, mm-hmm. right? The Atlanta Hawks beat a 76ers team who, by all accounts, no disrespect to the Hawks, but by all accounts, the 76ers blew that series completely. Dead in the water, they choked. So when you when you take that into account, I'm going to go with experience here, and I say that the Bucks probably win, 
Now, I think it's going to be Bucks and seven. I think Trey Young's not going to go out without a fight. How so. how much credit do you give to Nate McMillan, former Sonic, by the way, because he took over a team that was 14-20 and 20 now to the Eastern Conference Finals with the Hawks? You know, it's one of those things. People uh, were talking about um, tons of coaches for Coach of the Year, and uh, to see him in the right time in the playoffs take his team in the Conference Finals, it's something that's – it's eye-opening. People really need to start looking out for, for him and this team. How, how do you think the Pacers are feeling right now by dumping him, and now he gets picked up by the Hawks, and then he finishes the year going 35-15? and 15? Well, there's a lot of things the Pacers don't really do that makes a lot of sense. So <laughs> It's true. Poor, it, it, poor, it is very true. The Pacers are definitely a team that makes a lot of mistakes in their front office as well as on the court. Yeah, poor Sabonis. But. Yeah. Another, another player that's kind of interesting uh, – a big trade went down. What do you think of this Kimball Walker coming down to uh, good old Oklahoma to play for the Thunder? Well, I think with this Kimball Walker trade at OKC, it's going to be one of those things where Kimba's going to just pull what most other people, let's be honest, would do whenever they come to Oklahoma City. It's going to be a pit stop, and they're going to go to where they're really going to go. So I don't expect Kimba Walker You're to— You're still sticking within him being gone. Yeah. I'm sticking with him being gone. I know that's kind of what we said with with Chris Paul whenever he went to the Thunder, that it was just going to be one of those things where uh, he's going to get traded within the next, you know, within the next few weeks or something, ended up staying. But, you know, the Thunder weren't in full rebuild mode at that point because they still had some pieces where they're like, okay, we can maybe sneak into the postseason. And they did. And they – I mean, you saw in the bubble, they gave Houston a run for their money. Um, but the Thunder at this point are in full rebuild mode, and I'm thoroughly convinced that Sam Presti is just trying to own the draft at this point. I think he's trying to get as much. He's already got, he already got a first-round pick from Boston because of this trade. Who knows how many other picks he's going to get if he trades Kemba Walker. And he's still owed 73, 73 million in the next two years. So, you know, there's a lot, there's a few places. I mean, I feel like his draft, his trade value has kind of diminished because he's so injury prone and he's getting older. I think the Lakers would be a really good spot. Um, Can you imagine him a, with LA, LeBron, they need a point Davis, guard. They need a point and guard. And Kemba. They need a point guard. So he's injury prone, yeah, but they can't know. bring back, you know, Rondo, you know? He's still got time, right? Rondo, Rondo is on the other team. He plays nine. for the other team. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> the back nine. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't. So I you don't, Okay, so then the start of the NBA season this next year, you do Walker, not see him in a Thunder uniform. No, he will be in another uniform. Like, uh, hopefully he, he's in a winning team because Kimba Walker, like, a, he, he, he gave so much to Charlotte. It didn't really work out. No, it did not. And he, you know, but how was... much of that is Kimba? Because I don't blame Kimba on that. I think Michael Jordan, who's the one of the greatest of all time. I'm not going to get in the debate with you, LeBron or Jordan. But can we at least agree that he's a terrible front office owner? No question. I mean, but, he just makes bad moves. That's kind of like it's kind of funny how like the biggest winners once they get in the position of either a coach or a, a general manager, they struggle because. For whatever reason, maybe they can't relate to the players who maybe need that uplifting or, you know, as good of leaders they are on the court, maybe off the court in terms of, like, figuring out the pieces may not be the very best. It's something. Or they may not be the best at player evaluation. Whatever it is, yeah, Jordan and the Hornets haven't been the 
most well run in terms of winning. Maybe not in, like everything else. Maybe uh, could be good. We don't know for sure. But in terms of winning, the results aren't there. Um, but yeah, I, I'm thoroughly convinced that we're not going to see Kemba in a Thunder uniform. I'd be shocked if we did. And even if we did, I'm positive that the Thunder are probably just going to go full tank and they're probably going to trade Kemba in the middle of the season. Okay, so with that, can we see a Cade Cunningham in a Thunder jersey? Of course. And pick your prospects with the Thunder. We they, they have 16, what is it now, 16 draft picks? It's, if they wanted to trade up, they could trade up, no problem. So, uh, so okay, with the with these draft picks, how many draft picks do you think they're actually going to pick, or how many do you think they're going to toss away to picking up another player? Uh, like, what's your Las Vegas odds? Because I think you're right. I think it's 16. I mean, that's more than what you're going to have on a roster. So yeah, it's not like you're going to pick 16 guys. So, how many of these picks they're going to try to go swoop in to get somebody else? Well, it, and the, then if they do that hypothetically, just have some fun with this here. Does the Thunder end up becoming a big market program because they're going to be able to bring in a superstar here because they're going to be able to trade away some picks? Well, I mean, I feel like the Thunder have always been a team where despite the size of the city, the basketball quality has always been big time. It for There's a lot of big market teams. I can't really say that within the past few years. Sure. This is the, this is the first – this past season, I think, was the – what was it? The second season that Thunder were not in the playoffs since they moved to Oklahoma City. So they have a, a, a standard of winning that yeah, it's most teams Seattle. just don't – It's the Sonics. God, I really wish – hey, there's actually some rumors that the Sonics could be coming back and after they, the deal. And if they do, the deal, you know, I, the, the rule was that they could have the Sonic name back. I, you know, I know all about my Sonics, but – I'm not going to believe rumors until we actually see, you know, the team playing back up in. Have some optimism. <laughs> Have some optimism. Hey, man, my team got taken away, all right? <laughs> Best mascot in the game, Sasquatch. That's all I got to say oh, about that. But okay. with that, you know, going back to the topic at hand, though, do you see half of the picks being traded away for players to, you know, bring in a home? Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really think so, unless it's like a young up-and-coming star Okay, that is there. So like a really Trey Young? No, Trey Young. Trey Young is not gonna come back to the Thunder. <laughs> that's that's not there. Atlanta is gonna throw him all the money that he wants out of the entire city that he wants and say you could stay in Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta is a pretty good city. True. So I think Trey Young is right where he needs to be. But if you're talking about the prospects like Cade, I mean, if we really want to have some fun with this years and years down the road, whenever Bronny starts to become a uh, Coming up after college talk about and everything. <laughs> I mean, no, it, I'm serious. Like they I have know, enough draft picks to rebuild in that way. They own the draft. If I was a Thunder fan, I'd be just as excited if we were going in a deep playoff run. We we own the draft. It's just up to Sam Presti to pick the right picks. So, to me, I feel like he's trying to go way more younger. He's trying to build a team from the ground up with potential stars instead of just trading all those picks for veterans? I, I think you're on the right track. I I, I don't think you're going to get like a Trey Young. I don't think they're no. going to swap and, and steal. Much less, much less have someone sign with them voluntarily because, you know, it's Oklahoma City. True. They don't want to go to L.A. No, with those type of teams, with the small markets, you see um, the way they build a championship, they draft players that are great, and then they try to trade 
four other pieces that could win them a championship. That's what Oklahoma City is going to do. And with all those draft picks, they're going to do it seamlessly. It's going to be second nature to them. Yeah, I, I, I think you're on the right track, and I don't think it's going to change too much in the future to come. Right. You watch any College World Series baseball over the weekend? Uh, I only watched one game, and man, was it intriguing. NC State beating Stanford. Um, so uh, I've mentioned this before to everyone who's listening, but where we, me and Dan sit, are just a row of TVs. I remember looking back of NC State, Arkansas. It was like, I think it was like, what, the first game? I yes. think of the Super Regional. They were getting it torched by Arkansas. Torched. And I was like, oh, it's over. And look where we're at right now. NC State beat Arkansas. They beat Stanford. They're in the second round. They're going to play Vandy in the second round of the College World Series. Dan, for those of you who may not know, Dan actually worked in Raleigh, North Carolina for a little bit. Dan, you know a lot about that program. I mean, just talk to me about what this means for the Wolfpack. Yeah, it's it's been a long time coming for NC State. I mean, they've they've had some great success. I mean, the Triangle, you know, if you're a college baseball fan, I mean, the Triangle supports some interesting teams. You got Duke in there, you got Wake Forest in there, and we cannot forget North Carolina. I mean, North Carolina has made several trips to Omaha, but you know, for the Wolfpack, you know, Elliot Avant, it's been a long time coming for him to finally he's the head coach of the Wolfpack to finally get to Omaha. It's just it's pretty cool to see them taking on a Vanderbilt team. You know, Vanderbilt, they've had success in the past. I mean, David Price was a hurler for Vanderbilt, and we know what he's done in the league. I just think NC State could be the underdog story in this College World Series uh, taking place in Omaha. And I'm going to go with the Pack winning the whole thing this year. I really do because I think taking down a Stanford team – um, I mean, Stanford's been notoriously very good at baseball as well. And, you know, I just I just think that the the pack have the chance to pull off the upset this year in, in Omaha. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think NC State right now has got all the momentum in the world. They're very good on the road. I think they've got the pieces they need right now to uh, make a really, really deep run. Now, for those of you who are Big 12 baseball fans, yeah, Texas. this is frustrating, but the, it's frustrating for OU and OSU fans. Oh, yeah. Texas know. is in the College World Series. Which is even more frustrating um, if you're an OSU or OU fan. But you got you to gotta give hats off to their pitching. They have the lowest ERA uh, in the College World Series. Now, they did lose um, to Mississippi State. I think they, they there was a record. I, I don't know exactly the, the number of the record, but they struck out a record number of times against Mississippi State. And Mississippi State is... They're they're a great team, but they're not the most, you know, they weren't known to for their pitching. They were known for their scoring. So it was twenty one times. I looked it up for you. Twenty one times struck it out. That's that is insane. insane. That's yeah, that's very impressive. Oh yeah. No. Have you had the chance to go to Omaha, watch a World Series? Not actually. It's one of the most magical places. I mean, Rosenblatt Stadium, obviously it's not being played there anymore. They played at T D America Trade in um, where Creighton plays, but Rosenblatt, it was by the zoo, and it, okay, it wasn't the most thrilling ballpark, but it was just magical to have games be played there. But if you get the chance, the College World Series is one of those magical places, and especially this year for these teams. I mean, you know, in our second show that we did talking to ORU and Ryan Fulmer, I mean, he 
he expressed how much fun playing in Omaha is. And, you know, hopefully we get to see the Golden Eagles get the chance to be there as well as our Cowboys and Sooners. You know, it'd be pretty cool. I mean, it, it's tough, though, to see Texas playing in the College World Series, especially the way OSU played ball this year. I, I, I'm I still disappointed about the regional for OSU, for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. That one was something no one would have expected out of the Cowboys. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm right there with you on the College World Series, just the pageantry of it all. Um you know, it's also one of those things that how, like, it's kind of like it, the bracket is a lot different than most other playoff World Series brackets that you see. Um, now, Texas is going to go up against Tennessee, and this is a big pitching versus batting matchup. Um, so right now, it, it's looking like it's going to be a good run and, like, good for these teams, whatever, regardless of whatever team you go for in this World Series, the fact that they couldn't do anything due to COVID last year. Most of them did regain their eligibility, but still having to wait one year for this College World Series. I mean, it's it's good that it's back and good for these, um, I'm going to say kids, even though I'm sure. pretty much their age, basically. Sure. Good for them to The only frustrating thing for me, though, with College World Series is usually we get, like, one Cinderella team, you know, Coastal Carolina, um, Fresno State, this has been several years ago, but they were called the Wonder Dogs. This year, it's just powerhouse schools. I mean, do you think that's a result of the way COVID played out this year where programs that have the better facilities, the better weight room, the better nutrition programs separated from the the, the little guys? Or I mean, what, what do you think? Because there is no underdog this year. Right. Um, I, w- I mean, if you want to count NC State. But they are in the Peru. ACC. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean – I, on paper, I feel like they're kind of the underdog because it's you know been a long time, but you get what I'm saying. I mean, there is no Mountain West team, where, right? You know, well, I grew well up by with. by that logic, I mean you OSU should have gotten out of that regional because yes, the, the facilities there and Stillwater are something else. Um, so I don't really think that it's you know COVID had something crazy to do. I think it's just one of those things, or it's just one of those years where the, all the teams that are you know Power Five, quote unquote, I'm going to use a football term there, the big major conferences played like how they were supposed to play, and as good of you know as the other mid majors were, they weren't at that level this year. This year though, I'm pretty sure next year we're going to be seeing a lot more of a. Uh, of a mix-up in terms of, like, the Super Regionals and the College World Series, who's going to try to get punched their ticket in the way in. But, you know, it's just – I feel like it's less about – it should be less about who's in, which teams are in, and more of we finally have it after a year off. Do you think next year then not just ba- – well, I mean, we, let's keep it with baseball, but everything goes back to normal then? Oh, yes. Oh, you yes. don't see – there's not going to be any hiccups next year at all then? No. No, I, I think – uh what we've seen this summer, I feel like we've started to see how normalcy is coming back a little bit earlier than I think most of us would have expected. I expected there to be, you know, mask wearing and everything like that for at least another year. The fact that we've been able to kind of be a little bit more lenient and relaxed on that after just about a year and a half. Pretty impressive, though. It's impressive, yeah. So the fact that we got all that, which means sports will be fully coming back in full capacity, um, you know, I, I think I think the, the public is ready for some uh, the old experience of sports that we used to have. Well, one experience that I took place over the weekend was Brennan Jelly, former Cowboy. You, you know, for him, 
golf has been through this whole COVID. They, they, they haven't really had any issues because you're out on the greens and whatnot. But how about him winning the APT uh, Supreme Lending Classic out in Broken Arrow, man? I mean, this is pretty cool for a guy that picked up his second APT tournament, which is, you know, a level of professional golf. It's, it's on the cusp of the ranks of climbing the ladder with golf. He finished with a minus 20. Uh, had a one-stroke lead over uh, Colin Cober of Baylor University, who just wrapped up at Baylor, and Jelly was able to hold off on picking up a par. Colin would have chipped in the shot on 18. He would have forced a, you know, a playoff. But uh, Jelly goes on to win it, twenty-four thousand five hundred dollars. He didn't buy me lunch, but you know, congratulations to him over the weekend. Um, you know, former Cowboy tearing it up on the links. I, I think it's a good thing to see you know, our area guys pick up their names like that to, you know, know know that he still has a chance to play some pro- pro- professional golf and hopefully one day out on the PGA Tour. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, like, and also, I mean, like, you got to also, let's let's take a moment and highlight some of the other OSU golfers out there. I mean, Matthew Wolf. Oh, my goodness. For the longest, he was in the top five leader bulge of the U.S. Open. Didn't end like how he wanted to. I think he finished off tied for 14th, maybe. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but he was out of the top 10. Unfortunate, but, man, he had a heck of a run right there. Um, it almost seemed like he was he might have won it, which would have been amazing. You know, Hovland, great golfer, but, you know, the thing with his eye happened, and so he had to withdraw. That's unfortunate, but, I mean. Tied for 15th. Okay, gotcha. Plus three the final round. But, hey, he's still bringing home a truckload of money. You know, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then, I mean, you got to also the OSU golfers right now on campus that are making some big, big moves. I mean, you got Jin Bo, the golfer from China. He had a fabulous NCAA uh, run in the championships. I mean, you got so many other OSU golfers that are primed to have the same type of path as Victor Hovland, the same as Ricky Fowler, uh, Wolf. I mean, that just shows you how much of a golf school OSU is. And it's great to see local guys that you've seen just, you know, playing in Stillwater, playing anywhere else, really. Even, like, I mean, OU golf made it to the yeah, national championship game. Yeah, I know, finishing up as a national runner-up. It's pretty impressive just to see that the state of Oklahoma has carried a badge right now for golf. I think it's great for the state. You know, because a lot of people, I'm from Idaho. You know, I grew up cheering a team that plays on a blue field, and we don't need to go off that tangent. But people think Oklahoma is a flyover state. I think it's cool to see both programs put Oklahoma, the state of Oklahoma, on a map. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, the, and the, golf isn't the only sport to do that. I mean, you got other sports out there that Oklahoma is very, I mean, you got softball, you got Plenty and plenty of sports that really highlight the local athletes. It's one of those things in Oklahoma where it's not one of those big states, and I'm going to use big state like the big-time sports states like Florida, Texas, California. I'm even going to put Ohio there where, you know, the the, the athletes are big-time, but they also kind of seem larger than life to where they're just these big-time celebrities Whereas in Oklahoma, I feel like they're a little bit more localized. You really get to know them. You're a part of their lives and everything. So to see a lot of these athletes may have that much success in the professional level when the spotlight is at its brightest, it's something cool to see. 
Well, you know, look at Jelly. You know, when I was out there at Broken Arrow at the club at Indian Springs, there was maybe 15 people watching him on the course. Just think of the added pressure that he had with me, the one camera guy out there shooting him. I mean, I understand that, you know, he's not focused on me, but that's got to add some pressure on him too because why am I out there filming? It's because of him. And he still was able to hold off uh, to win that uh, Supreme Linen Classic, and I just think it's good for him. I mean, he's going to be playing another APT down in Arkansas this weekend, and, you know, he hopes to climb up the – uh, ladder than the PGA, he's going to go to Q School with the Corn Ferry Tour, which is part of the PGA ranks for golf. And I hope to see him playing on Sundays. You know, I think it'd be pretty cool to have a bunch of OU and OSU former golfers carrying that torch at the PGA. Uh-huh. One thing I don't want to see, though, is the <laughs> Paul brothers in boxing. It is killing boxing. I can't wait to hear what you have to argue with me on this, but I think boxing's dying because of. These two guys, I want to call them clowns because I don't think it's good for the sport. I just do not think they're both loudmouth individuals that we put a mic on them and they just make up a bunch of nonsense. Okay. So let's hear it. Let's hear it, Johnny. <laughs> so let me let me preface this by saying this first. I do not think, and a lot of people who watch boxing are going to agree with me on this, Logan and Jake Paul are not real fighters, okay? That's why it's they bad never, for the sport. No, 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 hold on, but listen to me. Listen to me real quick, okay? You're right. They're not, they haven't gone up in the amateur ranks. They haven't really gotten beaten up before to where they need to get up and find a way to win. They, they haven't, you know, been through the, they probably went through the quote-unquote grind of boxing training, but they've never really lost. You know, you say that well, Teddy Atlas, the great boxing coach, always says, you you're not a fighter until you have to figure it out when you're on the brink of losing. That's when you know you're a fighter, okay? But this, to me, doesn't harm boxing in a way because boxing has already harmed itself way more than what these two guys are doing right now. Logan and Jake Paul, being as big of a draw as they are, is all about marketability. You're right. They, they grab a microphone, they talk some mess, and boom, people are interested. But that's the thing that drives combat sports. Anyone is going to be interested in a fight. I remember Max Kellerman had this analogy. If you had a, a intersection and you saw a basketball game, a pickup soccer game, pickup football game, and a fight, which one would you rather see? You're going to want to see the fight. Now, the, the key about boxing, the key about mixed martial arts, the combat sports, why should people care to watch this fight? And for the longest time, boxing was doing good in that. Now they've kind of kind of stopped. MMA has started to kind of, you know, veer into that section where, okay, people are starting to get a little bit more interested. Boxing has done that to itself, though. Okay, but I'll I'll give you, hold on. I'll give you a perfectly good example of this. Okay, let's hear it. Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao, two of the best boxers, in my opinion, top five all time, in their primes, same weight class, everything, everything. That fight, when it finally happened in 2015, people said that was five years too late. I agree. Because there's no, in boxing, there's no central commission. There's no Roger Goodell of boxing. There's no, no there's not. Rob Manfred. There's no Adam Silver. It's just independent promoters going for their best interests, trying to 
think put of two some names fight. together to try to make try money. to put two names together to try That's to right. make money oh you're the a side you're the b side it becomes negotiations and everything that's why the ufc that's why boxing is so scared of the ufc right now because there's this one central czar that is dana white he decides who you know he decides who fights each other he decides how much they get paid which is a, a topic for i mean another we could go show an hour for, sure. for about that but nonetheless the UFC is giving us fights that we want to see in MMA. The ones that should fight against the best are fighting against the best. Whereas in boxing, you're getting a lot of inflated inflated records. Someone who's like 30-0 when they've been fighting a bunch of scrubs because for whatever reason, they can't get the big fight. The big fight right now in boxing that if you were to ask most boxing fans, they're going to say it's never going to be made at this point, is Terrence Crawford versus Errol Spence. They're top three, I would say top five pound for pound right now, which is top five best in the world. Same weight class, same weight class, everything. And yet the promoters are like, no, my guy's better. He gets deserves to get paid more. No, my guy's better, blah, blah, blah. And it's just at a stalemate right now. We're probably never going to get the fight, even though that's probably going to be the biggest fight in boxing. In the UFC, that gets made. So I'm explaining all of this and how stupid the boxing business is and how we're not getting these big-time fights, which means we're not going to really care about the fighters when they're fighting a bunch of nobodies. Meanwhile, you get Jake Paul and Logan Paul, who already have a huge—I mean, we're talking about a ridiculously huge following on social media. They take advantage of social media, and, you know, they're, they're fighting people. What's more intriguing on that? People are going to be intrigued either way. And here's the other thing that people need to understand about Jake and Logan Paul. They're not going to stop fighting. Do you know why? Because they're getting paid hundreds of millions of dollars to fight. You're not telling me that you wouldn't take $100 million to well, fight of course, I, Of course. I just don't like the fact that boxing is not what it was back in the early 90s or late 80s. I look at Logan Paul's fight with Mayweather it's an exhibition fight. Like, there is no winner. And so right away, it's like, you're wait a minute, you're paying – I'm going to use the Allen Iverson quote. You're paying money to watch someone practice? Not a game. Not a game. Practice. What are we getting out of this? Like, yeah, they both made a truckload of money. And Mayweather – you know, I'm not a huge fan of Mayweather, but he's a smart businessman. If you said fight a clown and make some money fighting a clown, he's going to do it. And so I, I just think it's looking at the future of boxing. I don't think it's good for boxing as a whole. I think it's just going to continue to get worse. And I also think the problem with boxing, unlike UFC, I look at the roster with UFC. Johnny, you have thousands of UFC fighters. We have UFC fighters that are not even discovered yet. I mean, look at all the different organizations that you have with UFC. What do you have with boxing? They basically got to go to one feeder area for boxing and the paydays aren't as much as what they used to be and i think people look at it like well i know how to box but i also know how to kick so i might as well go do ufc i don't think boxing is what it is anymore plus it's not talked about when do you see boxing on espn other than when mayweather fights a match when do you see it on espn well that, okay, yes they do have their, yes they do have their uh saturday night uh, main event type thing but i'm you know i'm not talking just on TV that way. I'm talking about when do they show highlights as much as anymore? They don't. And there's no face of boxing. Mayweather is at the end of his career. 
I mean, do you really see Mayweather fighting 10 years from now? That's, that's where I disagree with you. The biggest face in boxing right now is Canelo Alvarez, and he is a star. He is a star. A star. But, but I think, I think what you're talking about, I think what you're talking about is there's no concrete American star right now. No. The top American right now, pound for pound, is Terrence Crawford. First of all, Terrence Crawford, I mean, if you want to talk about who he's fought, the highest-ranked guy I could probably think of is Amir Khan, who, you know, is not really the same fighter who he was. Sure. And he's not. He's just not that popular. Whereas you look at the 80s and the 90s, you got Mike Tyson, you got Evander Holyfield. Heavyweights ran American boxing, and now they kind of went away for a long time. Yes, it was they mainly have. more of the Europeans. Uh, the reason for that, though, it's really, really interesting because the re- they, they say that the reason for that is because more and more of the people who would go to boxing actually went to football, and that kind of harmed the sport for Americans in a way. So, yeah, you know, ESPN and everything, boxing's not where it is right now, but that's where Jake Paul and Logan Paul can help the sport, actually, where they could – I mean, you saw the fight versus Ben Askren and Jake Paul. Yes, I guarantee you the people who were Jake Paul fans had no idea who Ben Askren was. They had no idea that he was an Olymp- he was a top-level wrestler, that he was one of the best MMA champions of all time. And now they did. They have that introduction. They're going to have that introduction to Tyron Woodley whenever he faces them. People knew who Floyd was, yeah, but they wanted to see him fight because they knew how polarizing he was whenever he was a fighter. This could be a really good introduction for combat sports to non-combat sports fans. But the way I look at this is we're both wrestling fans. We'll finally make the announcement here. Johnny's a big WWE fan, AEW. I'm the same way. Am I wrong or am I right? No, you're right. Okay, but the way I look at this is this is just like a wrestling thing. Ronda Rousey was never a wrestler, and she just went to WWE for a massive payday, and now she's done. I look at the same thing with But she was a draw. She was a draw, but she wasn't a good wrestler. As a purist of wrestling fan, she was terrible. And what has she done now? The fans didn't even like There's her. There's a lot of people in that roster <laughs> who are not good wrestlers. True. <laughs> who did not deserve at all She didn't all deserve. To okay, we, we don't need to go on this tangent, but I'm just saying, like, that's the problem of what I see with this with boxing. I don't want to see a Logan Paul or a Jake Paul. I want to see a Trey Lippy Morrison. He's an Oklahoma guy. I understand he's a heavyweight. He's not going to fight a Floyd Mayweather. But I'd rather see real boxers carry the sport than just reality TV stars or reality social media moguls carry the sport. I'll say this, and then we got to go after this. If you really want, if you're a boxer right now and you really want the popularity of Jake Paul and Logan Paul, beat them at their game. Hire a videographer. Have some personality. Take a class on how to, you know, address the media and everything. Make people care about you. Do that first. The skills you have in the boxing ring are going to speak for themselves, but just try to make yourself have a little bit more of a presence. No, you're right. I, you're right. There's fair. a that's lot. Fair. There's a lot of boxers out there who most of the mainstream sports world doesn't know, like Josh Taylor, the undisputed champion at 140 pounds. He's impressive, by the way. You, you got, should YouTube him if you get the chance. Right. You got. I mean, uh, some most people know who Teofimo Lopez is, sure. but still, at the same time, like he's not, maybe not be the biggest the household name. But yeah, the biggest household name ever. There's not that much. Um, well, what's his name at 118 pounds? Naoi Inoue, mm-hmm. Japanese fighter, top 
10 pound for pound for sure. Not a lot of people know who he is either. It took Triple G to fight Canelo Alvarez to really know <laughs> who he really was. It's true. I mean, it's true. He was like 35, 36 whenever he fought him for the first well, time. Well, and then at the end of all this too, why do we see these fights? Because they're marketable and people are going to watch. So whether I want to agree with you or not that they're real boxers or not, why do we put them on? People want to see them at the end of the day. Exactly, because they are playing the boxing game right, whereas right. some others who are actual boxers who are paying their dues, fighting, fought hundreds of fights in the amateurs, they're not doing the game right. Whether it's their fault or the promoter's fault, that's on an individual basis. But you can't, you can't blame the Paul brothers for actually they're doing their job playing I will give the them, game they are right and i will give them credit for that they're doing the right thing to make a buck and that is for sure well a couple things locally that we have on tap moving forward fc tulsa lost a tough one against loose city over the weekend they are now back on the road against rio rio grand valley toros uh they that's got they got to get back in the wind column they've been in my opinion they're they're a fun team to watch but they've been streaky and then uh our drillers are finally back at home They've been on a long, long road stretch. They take on the Springfield Cardinals 12 games at One Oak, uh, back at home at our confines, just about, what, two blocks away from here? So definitely go out and watch some drillers baseball. One of the best atmospheres in the summertime here in Tulsa is to go watch some of those minor league sports. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be one of those things where there's a lot. Sports are finally coming back. It's summertime, but there's still going to be sports going on in Tulsa. It's going to be fun to finally be able to have a summer unlike last year. So there's going to be stuff to do, things to cheer on. And like you said, I mean, like the drillers are finally back. FC Tulsa, I mean, Lou City was the defending champions in the USL. And it was a close one, 3-2. to two. I mean, they could have gone, if they would have just made a few more plays, it could have gone. It could have been a different result. So it's there's some really good playing going on in Tulsa right now, and um, I, I, we gotta catch a game. For yeah, real. yeah, we definitely need to catch a game. We're trying to get the opportunity to interview head coach Michael Ncn. You know, he grew up in Tulsa, grew up in bl- the Black we- Black Wall Street area. So I mean, I know he's got stories growing up uh, in Greenwood. So we're gonna try to see if we can lock him down on the show and we're still going to have plenty of guests uh we apologize that we had about a week two weeks away from our johnny and the hawk podcast uh vacationing and you know we're still trying to get the best audio out there like i said we're finally going to record downstairs in our radio booth here at griffin communications so it's going to be a lot of fun and football is going to be here before we know it johnny any final words before we put a put a nail in this one no i think we're all good let's uh Let's uh, hope for the best for these Tulsa teams. Very much so. Row the boat. Row the boat. Well, next time, be sure to check us out on Twitter and Facebook. And uh, thanks for listening to Johnny and the Hawk Podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Remember, you can follow Johnny Resendez as well as Dan Hawk on Twitter. Until next time, thanks for listening to Johnny and the Hawk. Also, for all the latest Oklahoma sports, check on newson6.com.